Welcome to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Autumn Rivera. In October of this year, Autumn was chosen as Teacher of the Year for 2022 by Colorado's Department of Education. Since graduating from Colorado College 17 years ago, Autumn has been teaching science to mostly sixth graders at Glenwood Springs Middle School. I joined Autumn in her classroom to talk about her life and the courage it takes to teach in these difficult times. Autumn Rivera, thanks for joining me for Immigrant Stories, and congratulations on being chosen uh, Colorado's Teacher of the Year. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you came to talk with me today. It's an, an amazing award under normal times, but to be the Teacher of the Year in the middle of a pandemic is... That's pretty remarkable, and so congratulations, and thanks for all the work that you do for kids. Thank you, yeah. And have done. You've spent most of your career with children, right? Yeah, actually, I I started teaching right out of college and have been teaching ever since, so 17 years, still going strong, all in middle school. I've worked with kids kind of aged second to third grade all the way up to postgraduate, but I'm always drawn to the middle schoolers, so I'm glad to be here with them. Really, the middle schoolers. They're on the threshold of, of change, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, becoming their own person and wanting to just sort of have that chance to step out but still need a safe adult there to check in with and make sure everything's okay. And so getting that chance to build those relationships and get to know the students and watch them change from a scared, sort of timid sixth grader to a more confident and just sure of themselves eighth grader is one of my favorite parts about teaching. They come in to sixth grade just being the outsiders don't they the yeah worried about the lockers opening are the eighth graders going to beat me up am I going to get lost in the school and I remember having those fears I vividly remember that and so being able to be that teacher that's there that reminds them like it's going to get better middle school isn't always going to be this way you're going to get it figured out and letting them have those successes at the end of two weeks when you say look you can open your lockers now wow they're like yeah, yeah we can do it or you don't get lost anymore, you know, yeah. And then I have a group of students from sixth grade through eighth grade. And so even today I was looking at one of my students when he walked in and I was just laughing to myself because I remember him as this sort of awkward sixth grader. He's walking in as this confident eighth grader, ready to go, getting things done. And it just made me so proud to see how great he's doing. Well, I want to know about that sixth grader that was you that still lives inside of you that you probably bring to class every <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, there is. I'm definitely, there's, there's definitely a, a middle schooler who lives strong inside of me still. I was really shy. I was painfully shy as a middle schooler. It was hard for me to speak in front of people. I didn't love doing that. Um, I think it was a late bloomer a lot throughout my entire life. And so it was just really quiet and awkward and into 4 H and love to wear my homemade vest that I had made out of, you know, I was so <laughs> proud of that to wear all of that. And, um, I, one thing I did know though, from a young age was that I loved science and that was my class that I loved to be a part of. And I knew that I loved to get to know my teachers. So building relationships with my teachers and being passionate about science is something that started at a young age and is something that's definitely carried through to who I am today as a teacher. Who, who planted those seeds? I think my mother, who was also a middle school science teacher at first, um, She always just loved to have us sort of explore the world on our own and provide situations for us to be outdoors and just instill that love of learning inside of all of um, myself and my two brothers. And so being able to have that experience and just being in a small community. I grew up in Eagle, Gypsum, Sweetwater area. 
and went to the same school my dad went to, graduated from the same school my dad graduated from. And so just that community and those groups of people that know you and support you, getting to know your teachers. I had a couple teachers my dad had growing up. And so just having this community there was something I wanted when I went to college. And that's why I picked Colorado College when I went there. And then it's something that I wanted to have in my educational world when I worked with my own students, which eventually led me back to Glenwood, led me back home. And I just have loved being a part of this community. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Autumn Rivera. Autumn has been teaching science at Glenwood Springs Middle School for 17 years, and last month, Autumn was chosen Teacher of the Year for the state of Colorado. Here she talks about two of the greatest teachers in her life. Tell me a little bit about your parents, two great teachers. Yeah, so my um, my mom was a teacher. A teacher. She was a middle school teacher at first, and then it went on to when she had her three kids, kind of took some time off, uh, and then from there went on to work at Colorado Mountain College in their basic refresher courses and GED courses, and taught there for many years. She's not retired. And my father did a lot of different jobs. He worked as a bison ranch manager growing up. He was a rail worked for the railroad, did track patrolman. Ended up working for the county at the airport and then rode in bridge in Eagle County and has finally retired in the last year from that. And both of them just really instilled in me the ability and the belief to kind of figure things out for myself, which can be very frustrating at times. But I think being able to figure things out for yourself really helps you learn and really helps you have that curiosity and wanting to know more. And I definitely would not be the teacher I am today without that ability that both of them instilled into me. And you came from a multicultural family, right? I did, yeah. My mother's from Pittsburgh, French and Great British and things like that. And my dad is from, New, his family is from New Mexico and kind of have lived in that area forever since it was part of Spain and then it was part of Mexico and then part of the United States. And they all lived in the same place the entire time, didn't yeah. have to move. And the so. indigenous people of exactly. that area. Yeah. Yeah, he grew up in Conquilon, New Mexico, is where my my grandparents' families were from, and another small, small, tight-knit community that's still there today. I bet it's pretty hard for the New Mexicans, the old, old indigenous folks, you know, who are asked where they're from. Yeah, they it's always very want hard. to ask, where are you from? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They were like, your, your people came to my people. We've yeah. just been here. So. Yeah, we have stories. It is. It's been really great to hear them. And and I was very lucky right before I moved back to Glenwood Springs, my family did a trip back out there to to kind of visit that area. And we took my grandparents and we were able to wow. see the house he was raised in and hear those oh. stories. And it was such a powerful experience. And Tell me a most story. of the family are still there. Um, my grandfather, uh, he just had so many stories of the area. It's very close to where Georgia O'Keeffe in the Ghost mm. Ranch, they live just a little bit north of there. So her relation and her kind of love of that area, I saw in them as well. And just having stories from around there. Um, my grandfather dug a well. There was a well that's still there on the property. And he would tell us how when he was a kid that that's what they would do is they would, they had to get water. And so him and his siblings um, dug this well and it's still on the property that day. And I remember he would open up a, a shed and we were able to see different artwork that he'd made from horseshoes and stuff like how he'd like had it stapled up or nailed up onto the walls and that's still there you know 50 years later it was still there and we were able to see that so it was a really powerful trip what did that feel like for you I mean I think it really just that power of family and that power of 
just, I want to say shared DNA of just being around people that you've never met before. And yet you can see kind of the way they smile or their sense of humor and understand that like, oh yeah, I have that same thing. I have that same interaction. And I think that's why I love working with my students here so much is they remind me of home. They remind me of that feeling of that sense of humor, of that joking around that, you know, as maybe not everyone understands how that works, but like, those are my people. I get that. And I love being able to interact with my kids that way. And I'm sure they can pick up on it from coming from you. Yeah, we have, yeah. we have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> In this time of the pandemic and climate change, and I would imagine it's harder to, to teach hope, which is one of those things that a good teacher tries to do, tries to keep that spirit of the, yeah. the child alive. One thing I really try to push in my classroom is the ability that, that students don't have to wait to make a change. I think so many times we tell our students in the future. When you're next grown year, up. Yeah, next year you're going to have to do this. In high school you're gonna, you get to do this. When you get to college, it's always preparing them for the future and it's not preparing them for the now. And I really want students to have an experience of making a change now. Because if you're always waiting for the future, then you never actually get that experience to make a change. And so a couple years ago, right before and kind of during the pandemic, my students were working on a project about the Colorado River and learning about how Glenwood Springs and activity in Glenwood Springs affects the Colorado River and its tributaries. And we were kind of getting to the end of the project. We'd spent the entire semester working on it. And a student who's now an eighth grader, Ali Alred, um, brought to my attention uh, that Sweetwater Lake, which is about 40 minutes north of Dot Zero, was going up for sale. It's a private lake there. And so she brought to my attention that the Eagle Valley Land Trust was trying to buy this lake so that we wouldn't have to um, have it be privately owned anymore. And so I really wanted her to have this experience of like, let's make a change. And so I asked my students, like, is this something you're interested in? And they were on board. And so we researched both sides. I let the students sort of research both sides and determine what they wanted to do and what side they wanted to pick. Should we save this? Should we put money towards it? Should we not? And each student wrote a letter and we mailed those off. And I thought it kind of die there. But the kids got really into it and they got really excited. And before I knew it, they'd organized a bake sale. They had designed <laughs> shirts that we sold. And, and in the end, we raised over $600 that we were able to donate. And it seems like such a small amount. Like the lake went over, was for sale for over $7 million. $600 is not that much. But when it's raised by a group of 11 and 12-year-olds that really a lot of times are distracted by many other things in their lives. But they were all so passionate about this. Um, it really was a big effort in getting that property saved and purchased. And just a couple weeks ago was announced as the newest um, or state park in Colorado right, and right. the first of its kind that's going to be owned at, at, at a national level but run at a state level. And that came from making a change now and having students do that now instead of waiting. I think if we had told the kids, like, when you're an adult, you can do that, we wouldn't have the same impact that we did. Teaching young kids empowerment. So many times education doesn't, doesn't allow for that. It does yeah. what you said. Well, yeah. you wait till you get big. You're just supposed to study and yeah. learn the rote here. And I've been very lucky, especially at Glenwood Springs Middle School, to be able to sort of shape my curriculum however I feel like best meets my needs. But that is not the same for all teachers. So I know it can be really hard to try right. to make that fit in when there's tests you have to you have to prepare for or curriculum you have to stay on task for. And so it has has been difficult for teachers. And I've been really lucky that I've been able to kind of go outside the box but in you know it wasn't that you're just teaching science you're teaching community organization exactly management yeah, uh, yeah. and researching event and not, planning yeah I, I want students to have their own opinion i don't want them to have my opinion 
um, one thing the students didn't know, I didn't tell them until afterwards, is that's where I grew up. I grew up at Sweetwater Lake. That was my playground. That's wow. where I spent weekends hanging out with with friends um, growing up. And, and so I didn't tell them that. I didn't want to, like, skew their viewpoint on it. And so at the end when they learned, like, this was really important to me. It was a really important issue. I think it made it even more special for them. Yeah, I, I think I saw a picture of Autumn Rivera with Janet Rivera yep. at Sweetwater Lake in one yep. of the articles I read about I think about I was you. probably the awkward sixth grader then at that <laughs> point, too. <laughs> I had braces and, and frizzy hair and sweatpants. But that person that has had that experience in school is, is better equipped, I think, and better skilled yeah. to see the child in the corner who, or who comes in afraid, and you can tell because that's you. Yeah, I think for sure. And I think having those experiences, remembering who I was as a kid, and, and all it takes is just one teacher to believe in you, one teacher to, to check in and see how your day is, and it can make all the difference. So I really try to do that in my classroom just recognize the successes. This morning I called a parent because I had a student who had been sort of underperforming for the last quarter and he just blew it out of the water with an assignment he had done and I was so proud. I couldn't even wait to call her after school. I had to call her right then in that moment and call her and, and just celebrate with her and it's just fun to have those moments together with parents too. Well and for that parent to get a special call. Yeah. It was that fun. makes their day, their week, their mm -hmm. month when they're yeah. worried about their child. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program, and my interview today is with Autumn Rivera. Autumn has been teaching science at Glenwood Springs Middle School for 17 years. Last month, Autumn was chosen Colorado's Teacher of the Year by Colorado's Department of Education. Here she's talking about the importance of seeing the whole child in order to teach science. What is it like to to try to teach a class that's, that is so diverse. You know, you, you have to teach science and all of that to a child that maybe is having a struggle at home. Yeah, I really... And science is the last thing on their mind <laughs> when they walk in in yeah. the morning. Yeah, if a kid's having a rough time at home or not feeling safe or being exhausted from whatever happened the night before, I just want them to feel safe. I want my classroom to be a place where they can come in and feel safe and feel like they belong. And hopefully science happens at some point, but if it doesn't, that's okay for that day. Like, I think allowing students to be able to be themselves. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the teacher on there talked about what is something that you're not going to go back to after the pandemic. And I thought about that for a while, and I really reflected and realized that I don't want to go back to pushing the curriculum at the, state, at the sake of, of relationships and allowing students to kind of take care of themselves. I just don't feel like if we don't get to all parts of ecology, it's going to be okay. I want students to be able to take care of themselves, really check in with themselves. If we need to slow down for a second and have a day where we just have fun again and just take a breath, then I want to do that. I don't want to just keep pushing through the curriculum just because that's is what I thought I always had to do. And I realized that we can still be successful without having that happen. But it takes a certain, certain amount of courage for a teacher to say, well, no, we're going to slow it down because you're being pressured yeah. to teach to the curriculum yeah. and we got to have the numbers at the end of the school year and yeah, keep moving, hard. keep moving. Mm -hmm. You were talking about trying to teach that emotional balance for a child. Yeah, that's something I'm working on for myself. And so I know if I have to work on it as a teacher of 17 years, then our students definitely need that as well. Well, you have to bring yourself to the classroom mm -hmm. though, right? Yeah. You teach who you are. Exactly, exactly. 
dorky ninja turtle collection and all we definitely teach that <laughs> yeah well and staying open to kids crazy ideas you yeah know? staying young enough and calling yep. on autumn rivera when she was 11 exactly. years old yeah the other day in class on friday uh my brother is the uh works for he's an engineer for cdot and so we were talking about right now we're talking about um the grizzly creek fire and sort of how that affected the animals and plants. And now we're moving on to the weathering and erosion behind the mudslides. We just started that this week. And so on Friday, the students were brainstorming ideas of how they could fix that problem. There were some good ones. One of them involved a giant tunnel that they were going to drill through to get to the other side. And so we were processing that. And I just really love to bring expert speakers into my classroom. Well, we can't do that right now with COVID. But I was able to phone my brother, who is an engineer for CDOT. And we had him on FaceTime. And the whole class was interacting with him and having a conversation about would a tunnel work? And he was giving us the pros and cons. And then we talked about a giant wall. And he was giving us the pros and cons. And so just allowing kind of the class to take it where it takes us. I think I've taught for long enough that I know where I need to go within a lesson, but how we get there, I can let it kind of evolve from the student's interest and in what students want to do. And so it was really fun to see them interact with a scientist and really ask them questions and be shocked at like how long it takes to remove dirt. <laughs> and you can't just build a giant wall to fix things. So it's really fun. Well, making the world come alive by bringing the world in, you know, mm -hmm. oftentimes the classroom is sort of a closed unit, kind of cloistered from exactly. the world if you're not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> so it really is a challenge to try to br bring the world in and bring them out to the world. Yeah, that's one of my biggest passions is having students know that science doesn't just happen in these four walls, but it's out in the classroom. I try to do a lot of field work, getting the kids outside. I knew we were going to study the Grizzly Creek fire this year. I just thought yeah. we have to. Like this of is course. this is crucial and it's what's happening in our world and really anchoring it in a local phenomenon can be powerful. But yeah. I also realized not all students have the same background. I can't assume that every student has been through the Glenwood Canyon and has seen that burn area. I can't assume that every student knows what the mudslides look like. And so we took the kids rafting. And we were really great. Defiance Rafting partnered with us. And we took all of our sixth graders on the river great. and allowed them to see yeah. that and have that shared background. And I think that's one way I'm able to provide for all students and allow them to have that situation. How did you adjust your way of teaching when this whole pandemic came down because teachers thrive on the human interaction with their students and yeah to have that taken away it's sort of takes it really teaching hard. away yeah like the best part about teaching is interacting with your students it's silly games it's laughing it's giving a kid a hard time about something hearing about their lives hearing about their soccer game this weekend and then all of a sudden we couldn't do that anymore and so that was really difficult and so I really tried to find ways to still build community within my students. I started a, a TikTok channel, which seems so silly, but I wanted to have reach my students where they were. And a lot of them were on TikTok. And so I thought, okay, here we go. And I would, you know, make silly videos. And I would also make science videos. I would make videos that said, don't forget to turn in your homework because I knew they would be watching and they would see it on there. Yeah. I was watching some of those. Yesterday. Oh yeah. yeah that's funny. Yeah. They are. They are funny. It is interesting though. I go back and look at those videos and I'm reminded 
of how hard of a time it was for, you know, for, for teachers. I think I can look back and laugh, but at the same time, it's a little bit triggering of like, that was a really hard time for me as a teacher. It was really difficult. I was worried about my students. The workload was tremendous. All of a sudden being asked to do your job in a completely different manner in the course of a week, if that, some teachers were given overnight notice. And so it just really was a lot and overwhelming. And so I just admire all of us teachers that have made it through. And I think we thought last year would be the hardest year. And then we got to this year and this year is even harder. So we just keep trying to persevere and keep trying to get it done. But well, it has definitely been a lot. The climate of schools has changed too. You yeah. know, it's not the free exchange of ideas. Not that it ever totally was, yeah. but it's become more fraught with probably fear. You know, people, yeah. parents afraid, the whole yeah. mask, unmask, and, yeah. and in the midst of this are these children trying to make yeah. sense of the world. Exactly. I think that's why I try so hard just to keep my classroom a safe space, a place where students can kind of talk about how they're feeling and what's going on, and just allowing people to be themselves. Because I think sometimes with everything else going on, it can be very confusing for students. And so I want them to at least feel safe while they're in my classroom. How do you stay buoyant? Because there are must be those days when you roll out and realize you're going to have to go in and teach hope and yeah. be energized and mm -hmm. you just don't have it. Yeah, there are definitely days. There were times last year where you definitely would sit in the parking lot and just kind of have to give yourself a pep talk because it was hard to come in here. Um, this year as well has been really just just so difficult. And I think I've been really lucky to have some amazing coworkers that are really supportive and look out for each other and a, a very aware administration that also has helped. And then just the students. I think anytime I find myself getting really stressed out, I just stop and think I'm doing this to hang out with the kids. And today we're just going to hang out today. We're going to play a game and laugh with each other because right now we all need to laugh a little bit because there's a lot going on. And I think just being tuned in to sort of what I need and what the students need and how we can tie that in together. Well, the emotional ebb and flow of a classroom. I mean, if you push against that, it's not going to work out well. I mean, if they're, the kids are having a rough time or there's some issue in the classroom, you can talk all the science you want. It's just blah, blah, blah. Exactly. I'm wasting my time at that point. And I think then I'm mad at them. They're annoyed with me. And then we've just ruined a relationship. And was that really worth it And at right. that time? And a lot of times it's not. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm like, we got to learn this. Like, let's go. But a lot of times it's not. And so why not just take a moment and take a breath? And So what do you do to re-energize? Um, I'm really involved with science education at a state level, which really I love doing that piece and getting to hear the awesome things that educators throughout Colorado are doing. And that really helps me want to come back and bring that back towards my teachers and to my students. And and just also being in this community, I love the relationships I've built and walking into Discount Tire and seeing I've taught half the people working in there and threatening them that they better tighten those lug nuts before they put the tires back on Mr. Vera's car. <laughs> and those relationships, I think, are what energize me to come back because I just they're so powerful and connecting with students year after year just makes me smile. You talked about the camaraderie of your fellow teachers. It takes courage on a good day to go in and teach. Yeah. But during this time... It's yeah. courageous, a courageous effort. It is a lot. I think it's a lot, too, with students who are getting used to being around human beings again. You know, they were so isolated for so long that, that we're having to kind of help them remember how to be around students. And that's a lot on top of them, whatever content that you're having to teach. And so I've just been really grateful for all the teachers who have really tried to rally around each other. I'm mostly grateful for teachers who aren't afraid to say this is hard, who aren't afraid to say I need help. 
I think that we need more of that right now. We as teachers need to, it, it's the in the teacher nature to be the martyr, to be the person that's like, no, I'll do it. I, I put myself at the top of this list. I do it all the time. But I think we as teachers need to really not be afraid to just speak the truth and share our stories and let people know that we're working really hard. But in the state of Colorado, it's so hard is that we're so poorly funded in education and that if we had more more funding and we had more support, we would be able to do even greater things. But it must have been really difficult, particularly at this time for them, for the powers that be to just go, well, just try harder and yeah. do it faster. And exactly. Just yeah. do, do it. Do it for the kids. That's a great one, too. Do and it for the kids. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, like we don't want teachers to, at the cost of their family, at the cost of themselves, taking care of themselves. So really, really, I think setting boundaries and making sure that you're, you're sharing your stories and, and being the professionals that we are. I think that is, is a great, great story to share with everyone. Well, saying that you're having to struggle making yourself vulnerable and mm -hmm. Brene Brown would say that you're you're taking your power you're saying hey wait a second this this yep. isn't right this doesn't feel good yeah so it's not weakness it's power exactly I love Brene Brown <laughs> she's great and it is so true like just being able to say I see you to another teacher like I see you right now working through your lunch period I see you right now getting your kids to bed then staying up another two or three hours getting work done I see you with all your emails trying to get that taken care of while you're also trying to teach your classroom at the same time and just really recognizing all of us teachers and and being together to support each other and it's it's monumental work I mean it, it, it is the fundamentals of our of our whole culture yeah hang there in those classrooms. Exactly, exactly. So we, we ought to be paying attention. Yeah, exactly. And it really, I mean, it's if I have a group of sixth graders that can, you know, through their support, decide they want to get a state park in Colorado at the end, like, imagine what could happen with even more, you know, even more support, even more funding, even more adults in the classroom helping out. It could just be amazing. That was Autumn Rivera. Colorado's Teacher of the Year for 2022. Only one teacher is chosen Teacher of the Year in Colorado, but we all know that there are hundreds of teachers of this difficult year who deserve and need our recognition. Thanks to Autumn and teachers like her who guide our children through some of the most important years of their young lives. You've been listening to the Immigrant Stories program. For more on Immigrant Stories, please go to our website immigrantstories.net. Thanks for listening. <laughs>